if you foresee a tiny little possibility of an application of this, it's just selfish that you don't go and talk to someone. Don't sell it. We're not talking about selling it. We're not talking about setting up a startup straight away. It's like step by step. You just need to go and talk with someone. What do you think about this? Hello, and welcome to the CVC Unplugged podcast from GCV. I'm Fernando Moncada. One of the most exciting up-and-coming venture ecosystems in Latin America is that of Chile. In an already innovative and fast-growing business environments, corporate VCs are sprouting up left and right across the country, and funds are increasing in size. One such CVC, which announced the launch of its $100 million fund late last year, is CMPC, the pulp and paper company that is one of the largest companies in the country and will use its venturing arm to tackle problems related to sustainability, single-use plastic reduction, novel construction and packaging materials, and more. Today I speak to Bernardita Araya, who was brought in to head up the new unit in 2020, in the thick of lockdowns, and helped form the unit's investment thesis from scratch. It has to date announced five investments from the fund. She explained how the two guiding questions that she was always told to ask during her PhD days, namely, so what and who cares, continue to be important in her investment career, focusing her and her team on how something can have a real impact on the world beyond just being a cool idea. And she also talks about the challenge of building an investment thesis during the pandemic, as well as CMPC Ventures activity beyond just direct investments, also encompassing venture building and venture clienting. She also talks about the unit's partnerships with universities and R&D centers, what deep tech looks like in the forestry space, the benefits that come from having offices in other geographies, most notably the Nordics, where you really need a direct presence in order to make real connections within what she describes as something of a closed ecosystem. And she reflects on how far the venture ecosystem in Chile has come since she first became an investor. Be sure to like, share, and subscribe to CVC Unplugged, and above all, enjoy the show. So, Bernardita, great to speak to you again. How are you? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me. No, th- thank you for joining me. Anytime, you're welcome. And, and you know, we, we always start the show asking the guests a bit about themselves and, and their background and what kind of got them interested in, in corporate venture capital in the first place. And I know, you know, you, you're a scientist, but, but by trade, how did you kind of get into the investment side? Well, I think it, it, it all started when I was doing my PhD. I, had, I have a PhD from, in biotechnology from the University of Cambridge in England. So it's a very vibrant ecosystem with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of uh, kind of research going out to the public and to the market with Nobel Prizes. So it's very, very intense ecosystem to try to finish a PhD. So you're always trying to look for all these other alternatives and, and, and what's the impact of, of what the research you're doing. So I always recall there are two big questions my supervisor will ask after finishing an experiment. One was, so what? Okay. And the second one was, who cares? So basically, he was always encouraging you to find what comes after this research you're doing. So that's when I realized there was this whole space of taking out the science from the labs and putting them into service, the community for healthcare, for industry. So since, since, so since then, well, we came back to Chile and I've been working always in this transition, you know, uh, from the lab to the industry. I've, at, I work at a pharmaceutical company as an R&D director, connecting with universities and research centers, then 
And then I moved to venture capital, actually. You know, uh, I work for Arus Capital, which is uh, which was one of the very first uh, venture capital units in, in the country. So very early uh, uh, years of the industry here. But at the same time, it was all about trying to connect science with investors, with concrete plans for growth, with concrete plans for product development, which wasn't something the scientists were doing too much. So and then I, I joined CNPC at the end of, of 2020, middle of the pandemic full lockdown. So I was trying to learn a lot about the industry first, but then connecting, trying to combine the science development, the VC world with the strategy of a big, big corporation such as CMPC. So I kind of dig deep into CVC by working with CMPC and we've been working together now for, for, for three years. And what was it that attracted you to the, to the CMPC position specifically? I think this is, well, CNPC is such a big company, okay? CNPC is one of the largest companies in the country. They have uh, right now, it's like over 6 billion in sales. There's a second producer of paper sacks. It's, it's a top market pulp producer. The second producer of tissue in Latin America. So it's a big company. And then when you're doing science in a country as small as Chile, there was always this challenge of trying to connect with the big industry. There was always this silence on the other side that was very hard to connect. So then when I connected with CMPC and they wanted to explore and, 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 and go seriously into this CBC activity, for me, it was really a no-brainer. This was something that needed to happen. And I was convinced this would send a signal also in the country. And the, and the commitment I perceived from the management in terms of this is important for us. This is aligned with our strategy. Is something that was definitely worth exploring. Yeah, and, and and I think you know, in terms of when you, when you mentioned commitment from the company, certainly launching a hundred million dollar fund, <laughs> especially in you know in Latin America, is, is definitely a sign of of commitment. I mean, it's it's pretty massive, certainly by regional standards. T- tell me about that process and and kind of what what it take to to bring that amount of capital together. Was there a lot of convincing that needed to be done there? I think at the beginning, when, when I arrived, the, the, the commitment and the conviction that this was going to happen was already there. Okay, So I came to really materialize on this commitment, on this vision. So the vision was there, the commitment was there, the conviction was there, the alignment from the management was there already. But none of them had experience in venture capital. None of them had experience in startups. I had not experience in pulp and paper. So we really had to combine our knowledge and our experience to try to, to f- form this unit and to frame this unit and to connect with this unit, with the industry, with the uh, company, with the employees, with the business units, and also with the startup world. So, so the process started really understanding first, for me, what CMPC did. You know, I had, I had kind of, I, you know, what, uh, well, what a company such as CMPC does in the country, but all the kind of little details and, and of each of the business unit, what, like what were the key challenges? What were the key technological challenges? What were the kind of industry uh, around us doing or thinking, our competitors, the benchmarking? So it's a lot of kind of really deep diving into understanding the challenges of the industry first. Then we found really where the windows of opportunities for a company such us. Then there was also this, this connection to the business units. None of them had experience in venture capital. None of them were experienced with startups. They might say, oh, like, well, how do we engage with this startup? And there was just this 
combined expectations of, well, we understand M&A. Is this the same? Well, then you go, this is not the same. How do we, how do we frame, how do we prepare our own value proposition for the startups? Okay, so, so just summarizing the story, first understanding the industry, understanding our opportunities, then understanding what will be our value proposition for the startups, for the ecosystem, and then going to connect with the world. So once you do that, you, 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 have, you are in a position to, when you can really start investing, start connecting with startups. I could have gone and talked with many, many startups, but without really knowing I have a strong value proposition from CMPC, from the business units, from sharing feedstock or, or whatever is needed, it's not really strong anymore. So, you, so we really worked on this very, very strongly. And then at the beginning, you know, for the first two years, we, we, you know, we made a few investments in Finland, in, 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 in Chile. But then it's, then it's when the company decided to extend this, this fund to this 100 million fund that we launched at the end of last year, which is we're super proud, super challenged, of course. It's a big, big challenge because it is a strategic fund. So then, of course, we want financial returns. But mostly we want financial returns. So finding the right strategy fit is also that something that only comes when you have the internal connections to be able to understand what strategy fit is. How do we want to work with these startups? What is the value we can bring to them? What is the value they bring to us? How this will look like in the future for CMPC? Talk about what that was like, figuring, you know, having to figure out that value proposition and and what you guys can bring to startups in the heat of the pandemic right because you as you mentioned you started right in the middle of lockdown what what was that like just by itself but but also you know i i would imagine that you had to do two things right obviously learn about the company itself but then also educate the company in a way about venture capital which maybe they didn't know much about so what what, what was that kind of you know double barreled process like well, it was super interesting. I, I, I'm, I'm still convinced this is something that is very relevant for the country. Since we started, there's a lot of there's a lot of other CVCs coming out in Chile as well, where we have a we have a a, a, a big group outside of CMPC for all the other CVCs in the countries where we share experiences and and we both share our different models. Some of them are more on venture clients. Some of them are more into equity investment. Some of them are more financial. Some of them are more strategic. So I think all of these flavors were some were also something we needed to discuss internally. I think CVC is not a one size fits all. With VCs, you know it's a financial return. You know you might differ in the verticals, you might differ in the in the industries, you might differ how involved you get with startups, but the goal is always is, is, is always financial. With CVCs, you can get all these flavors. So I think most of, of, of the process was understanding what flavor we wanted to be. Okay, so we defined that, that in terms of value proposition, we have a very, very strong R&D team that I think is, is fundamental to have a, a good, what I call this absorptive capacity. You know, if you don't have a team that understands technology at the technology level, at the fiber level in our case, what these startups are doing, then I might do a great investment, but will not bring value to CMPC, or we might not add them value aside from just a check. So we want to bring a lot of kind of value in terms of research and development support, helping them and, and collaborating with our experts and, and, and collaboration networks. 
then we try to bring this global connection, expose them to our global connection. We are a global company. We have 46 mills in eight different countries, sales to like globally. So we want to connect our startups with our global ecosystem. Then we can be a good customer. Were we ready to be a good customer? To be a simple customer for a startup? Not, no startup has five tons to, to deliver this Friday for us to be a pilot trial. So we needed to adjust ourselves as well to really to facilitate our processes for pilots and trials and testing. This wasn't happening before. And for, for context, that's important because CMPC deals in tons, in a lot. Yeah, oh, a lot this is the things. biggest change. Well, this was the biggest change for me. I come from the biotech industry where grams is huge, okay? So moving to tons and thousands of tons and is, was, was crazy. So, well, just going back to the value proposition is, is, okay, we said, you know, the research and development, the global connection, putting ourselves as a customer, and as a nice customer as well, Okay. Then is the articulation. How do we articulate with the internal ecosystem and the relevant areas? Do we need someone from the, from the engineering department? Do we need someone from the, uh, from the strategy team? Do we need someone from our box board for our SACRAFT unit, from our packaging unit, from our pub unit? So we have talent internally that we need to articulate as well. And then is try to accelerate the growth of this, of this, uh, uh, startups, but opening markets, supporting for scaling up, but mostly identifying the synergies that will bring benefits for both of us. You know, it's not us taking advantage of them. It's not them taking advantage of working with us. You know, when you find a strong synergy, it's, it's a win-win situation. And that's what we're all about. No, exactly. I think any any strategic fund, that, that's the kind of bread and butter, right? That's the, the holy grail. You, you, you want exactly. to win Yeah, but at the same time, once one thing is to declare it. Right. And the other one is being able to execute it. When you, when I call someone from the pulp team, will they answer the phone? Well, they do. And we discuss this actively and we try to find well, what we call the cross-functional teams, you know, that, okay, like who else is working on this team? How are we supporting them, each of the startups? What else do we need? What bottlenecks are we finding internally that we need to unlock? You know, are we being too corporate? Or are we being startup friendly? We need to constantly be asking ourselves that because this is a big company. And as you said, everything is thought in tons. Yeah, no, that's, that's a bigger scale than most people I think are, are, are used to. You, you mentioned, so at the, at the end of, I think towards the end of last year, you, got, you guys announced your $100 million fund, a lot, a lot of capital. Now that was extended, right? You said, so what, what was it before? No, so so before was just uh, well investing from the balance sheet. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So it was kind of let's. It was a exploration, but with 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 commitment, with vision. So this is we need to understand the whole process first. You know, like one of the first the discussions I have with my investment committee was how are we making the decisions. You know, at the, at the what level, like we decide here, what level will be decided on the board? How do we report to the board? There's many things you need to organize. So I was I was kind of lucky enough to to come to CMPC to design all of this together. Well, so we could fine tune, and we're still fine tuning most of our processes. I think this is a constant growth, and part of this hundred million fund is also part of this growth, and 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 it's not just you know, uh, uh, roses and, 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 and kind of easy. 
this comes with we need more support from the business units. We need more, uh, you know, uh, can accelerate our, our our scouting capabilities. We need to find new partners around the world to support, you know, the deployment of the fund. We are strengthening the team. So, so this is not just sit there and and get more money and continue doing the same. You you really need to adjust the operation of the fund to really be able to deploy it and make the most of it to bring value to the company. Yeah. And I, th- I think it's interesting that it wasn't, you know, the decision was made to go straight to, you know, a, a kind of nine figure sum, right? It wasn't like, let's try out 50, see how that goes, then go to 100. It was, you know, straight, no, let, let, let's kind of dive straight into this kind of thing. I think this is what what's important is that to think about the objective, the aim of this unit. So we try, you can see it on our webpage, is... We try to accelerate the creation of technologies and products for CMPC. So we focus on accelerating this potential incorporation of technologies, development of new products, and potential new business lines to CMPC. So then how do we see this internally? How do you really do it? It's just investing. So we need to really do the whole process. So we're focusing part of the fund to early stage early stage so we can really understand really uh, well these technologies understand the, the, the connection to our feedstock does it work the same with softwood and hardwood it's not probably the same so we really need to do a lot of kind of technical uh, work there but at the same time we have part of the fund also devoted to the kind of scale-ups the follow-ons you know to the to the, to the scale-up stage of these startups you know, so we want to really uh, uh, find these disruptive startups or technologies that are connected with our fibers and forests. But at the end, what we want for the future is to diversify and complement our value proposition for our customers and future customers. That's that's the drill. That's that's the the, the baseline. That's where we should focus on. So that's why we have also learned in this three-year process and as I said we're growing all the time and adjusting all the time we've also uh, uh, learned that it's, it's not about just investing in startups we've also understood that that, that we need to focus on, on on one side of course we are investing in startups or early stage companies but we're also exploring from this fund the investment in cooperation contracts partnerships strategic alliances joint ventures uh, agreements of any kind with companies that developing technologies related to our investment verticals. It doesn't have to be equity because what's the best format? We need to understand that sometimes with some companies, the best format is not necessarily equity. But we have the value proposition, we have the talent, we have the intention. So we might do a small project, a small R&D project, a small uh, strategic alliance, a small you know, uh, R&D contract with startups or with other companies. And then we also work with R&D centers more university on the university side, you know, so is 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 we we want to kind of the origin, we don't care too much about the origin. Okay. We care a lot more and how we fit together and the vision we have for developing these different technologies. Yeah, and, and I want to ask more about the about the universities and about the kind of venture building and venture clienting side. But I I, I wonder, you know, how how does the size of the fund help Kind of position the unit within the the kind of Chilean or, or regional venture ecosystem. I think well in Chile there's there's no many big funds such as this. You know there's 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 another CVC that that's invest large sums of money, but is is based in in the US. Okay, but they also invest in Chile. We are based in Chile, but we have offices and 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 presence in Europe. 
with our office in Finland and our technical uh, lead in, in Europe as well. So in terms of size, yes, it is a big size for, for, for Chile and Latin America for sure. But, you know, the Brazilian ecosystem is a lot more developed, a lot more kind of, uh, uh, it's a little bit older, you know, so we're trying to learn fast from them. There's a few companies I really, I, I really admire and how they have structured the whole unit. Braskem is one of them. I think they've done a great job in, in segmenting what they do in, in venture client, what they do in venture capital, what they do in this, in, in this internal startups. They, they set up like spin-off approach, venture building. So it is a lot to learn from in like well, in Latin America. And I think then the bigger companies, you know, BASF and some other ones in Europe and the US are, I've been doing this for 20 years. So of course, we, there's a lot we want to learn from them, but it's a longer shot. Well, it's all about trying to shorten the learning curve. But, but in Chile, I, I, well, we're trying to really be very active with the ecosystem. We participate in a lot of events and we are doing some incubation projects as well. For example, there's a very interesting company that is super early stage. And we said, well, is this investing? No, let, let's, let's set up an incubation process. And this is still going. And by the end of the incubation, we will decide what's the best format to interact with this company. What we do normally is to, we identify a company, we receive a company uh, uh, that is within other verticals. Do we understand enough this the position of this company within this vertical, or we need to expand our understanding of this vertical to try to understand how this startup fits in there. So we want to understand the vertical, kind of a deep dive in terms of drivers, value proposition, who are the key players, how the decisions are made, and then what's our role in that space? How does CMPC wants to play in that space? Do we want to be a producer? Do we want to, etc.? cetera? There's, there's many possibilities, supplier, could be anything. And then we see, okay, we, we have a clarity of how the, that market works. We have sort, sort of clarity what our role should be there. And then is this the right partner? And then if it's the right partner, then we see what's the best partnership format. Is the right technology? Is the right team? Check. So then if, if is this equity? It might not be equity. Okay. And then we go, oh, you know, let's do a partnership uh, 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 agreement. Let's do some licensing approach. Let's do some R&D together. So then we kind of do a kind of long technical due diligence, but at the same time allows you to really work with this team before any, any, any larger commitment. So we have become, in this three-year process, much more flexible in the way we approach in the format. But it's all about what our role should be, what's this potential synergy we have in the future, and Let's be flexible in the way we interact as long as we see this synergy fit. Can, can you give an example of, of maybe one of those kind of alternate routes and, and what, you know, if, if you were looking at a, at a company or another organization, potentially for, for, for an equity investment, and you said, you know, maybe, oh, wait, no, this other route would be better for this particular kind of partner. What, what would that kind of look like or what has that looked like? You know, it, so far it has looked like, like you know, as, as R&D a project uh, where we where we send them our feedstock, where we send our technical team in terms of support and for both for us to understand their technology and also for them to understand scaling up challenges are, are the key aspects for, 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 for industrial applications, for example. And then you might have just a right of first refusal for investment in the next round. So then no strings attached aside from if you fundraise, I want to be in that conversation. So it's flexible enough for the startup. 
we will be working together for six months, for a year. But that normally happens when this is, is a technical uh, a development, a, a technology or a product that is totally outside to what we do right now. Okay. So we really need, we need more time. We're, we're still a big company. We're still a corporate and we still will be slow. We're trying to be faster in many processes, but there's certain things that take time anyway, particularly with feedstock. The science takes time and, and, and results don't come every week. So we have explored this, this R&D approach that has been super attractive in the sense that just reduce risk, just reduce risk. This, this industry is a lot more used to, def- to deciding um, large investments for a pulp mill or for a full new line of you know, wood uh, or, or timber production, right? But then investment in startups where you don't know what the outcome is yet, it is still something we, we, we are, we are uh, uh, growing to. But but we are we are doing it, and we have increased the size of the fund, and that's why we are exploring these alternative routes that help us a lot internally to reduce the risk, but at the same time to keep bringing value to the startups anyway. Right, and part of that kind of partnership landscape, I suppose, if if you can call it that, is is with universities as well, right? So so you 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 have had some collaborations with universities, which correct me if I'm wrong, have 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 made their way kind of into your portfolio, right? I, I believe Nordic Bioproducts Group is a spinoff of, of a university in Finland. Is that right? Yeah. No, we have we have investments that have come out of universities, but they're all now full startups. So we have one investment in Nordic Bioproducts Group in SMBG in Finland. They they are building up the plant to produce MCC, which is microcrystalline cellulose. So we, we have a, a joint venture with them as well to produce textile fiber. But exactly, they come out of the university, but they're all a full full scale startup now with fundraising, with our investors, with board, with with a big scale up plant being being built at the moment. It's, it's actually in ramp up process now. Then we have another startup in Finland as well, which is called Wommi, which is uh, produces a, a substitute for polystyrene for packaging based on pulp. Right. Yeah. The little the little kind of peanut things, right? Yes. That that you yeah, put into yes. like the boxes. Foam peanuts, yes, it's, it's, it's foam. It could be peanuts, could be the edges, the the, the corners of computers, and so so could be used for many many applications. And then is 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 bio based. So uh, so we're in the process of, of of the certifications of biodegradability and so on. Has a lot a lot of potential. That this is a very early stage startup. It's only a year old, but we engaged with them early enough, and we've been uh, accompanying and supporting them uh, uh, since then. Then we have another investment in, in England, which is Pulpex, that develops these pulp-based bottles for, for, for packaging. So it's a, a whole different stage. They're scaling up as well. So like The scales are all different and the challenges each company is, is going through is very different as well. Then we have a company that was based in Chile, is now well based in, in, in Spain, in Europe, which is called Strong by Form, that produces composites of, 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 of wood for construction. Okay, with with free free flow forms that allows kind of a lot of new applications and improving the the, the performance of of wood materials. And then we have Boxia, which is a marketplace uh, operating in Mexico, in Monterrey, and expanding to the rest of Mexico for for packaging applications. And were were these? So if if you talk about like the university spin out ones, were these? Um, and maybe from here we can kind of go in into a bit deeper into into your thesis there. Well, what 
what stage do, do you guys typically invest in? We try to invest in, in, in startups and solutions that are in the pre-seed to Series A investment rounds. In R&D projects, we try to progress from laboratory scale to the construction of demo plants. Okay, but we're open, always open to analyze special collaborations on an ad hoc basis. You know, it's, it's always open to this. Again, if the technology is there, if the fit is there, we will find a way to work together. That's more or less our approach. Of course, protecting our position there. Of course, making sure we bring value to the, to the startups and, and we see the synergy. Yeah, where, where there's a will, there's a way, right? <laughs> exactly. That's That's <laughs> totally right. That's totally right. And, and geographically, Obviously, you have some investments in the Nordics. What, 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 what would you say your, your geographical remit would be? Well, the, the focus on the Nordics and in Europe in general is because, particularly in the Nordics, the development of more kind of value-added products, our forests, has, has been going for a lot longer than at least Latin America. Okay? So they are the front in general. Most of the research centers, universities, and startups, there's a lot of startups in that space value kind of value-added products and biorefineries and, and, and new new potential coming out of what a tree can do, basically. You know, it's not only pulp and wood. It's a lot more things that can be done there. So then Europe also has all this regulation, I know, the plastic ban and, and a lot more focus on sustainability to what we're having, at, at least in Latin America. This is kind of starting as well, but it's, it's, it's not very, very advanced as it is in Europe. Okay, so but we are globally focused. We have connections in, in Canada. We have R and D projects with a Canadian company, for example, that is not investment yet, but this R and D project might lead to a future investment or a future partnership or a future JV if it works. Now, so 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 Canada also is very advanced in terms of finding these value added products and technology from wood, and Latin America is. There is open, but it's I think it's more focused on 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 fintech uh, at the moment. Most of the startups are in that space. There's there's a lot of space for growth in Latin America, so so we're still of course looking at everything here as well. So we're looking everywhere, really. And and I think m- many people, you know, perhaps would not immediately associate things like you know wood, forestry, and pulp with with something like deep tech, right? But that is an area of focus for you. Well, we invest in deep tech. Yeah, no, exactly. We are investors in deep tech for sure, and this and this brings the extra layer of complexity. Moving to from being a financial investor to being a strategic investor, adding the deep tech layer is a lot harder. But at the same time, most deep tech companies do need a corporate partner to to help the, the growth of those technologies. If not, it's very hard to to, to really kind of. You know, you won't find a, a kind of a, a Tesla every every other week. No, know? certainly. So I mean, it's deep tech, but so then, so then you do need the support of corporates. Yeah, and the development cycles are so long that you need a kind of patient partner. Even Tesla, even Tesla needed NASA at the beginning. Tesla and SpaceX all needed NASA at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, SpaceX so. would be would be long dead without NASA for sure. <laughs> exactly. So you do need corporates at some point anyway. Certainly. And what kind of deep tech does that look like for, for you guys in the forestry space? Well, you have the, the, the development, for example, of, of uh, you know, biochemicals out of, out of trees. You know, this whole space, the way you fractionate the wood will lead you to a lot more products just on pulp and wood. You know, you can have biochemicals, you can have resins, you can have lignin, you can have sugars, you can have ingredients for cosmetics, for pharmaceuticals. 
that needs a lot of technology development. So just thinking, there's there's a big uh, uh, presentation that is is from a, a Nordic R&D center, which is, I think it's called SEPI, which has a slide that says what a tree can do. It's a very, very interesting because it's very inspiring that is a lot more than pulp. So that's what deep tech looks like for us. And talk a bit more about, about the venture building work and, and the kind of venture clienting that you guys do in addition to, to the direct kind of equity investments. I think this is something that has evolved as well, as we, as we discussed at the beginning of this conversation. At the beginning, we were trying to frame everything within venture capital, but we quickly realized, again, that equity was not all the, the only solution, and then that we should be able to pilot things much faster. So it, uh, during last year, we, we set this venture clienting unit within our innovation team. In the, in the innovation uh, uh, kind of team in CMPC, we have all of those that take care of the core innovation, you know, of course. You know, you have, we have, you, you have core needs. You know that 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 I know include and you know, reducing uh, um, the use of water, be more competitive, increase production. That that still needs innovation. Okay, so we have a strong team there. Then you have adjacent innovation that is more on the R and D, and we try to connect is is on both sides. And then we have disruptive, which is what we try to to look for. So in the core team and in the in the team that was in charge of of innovation or, or bringing solutions for the key challenges we had internally in our operations, we were finding startups that could support these challenges, but we didn't have the, the right route to connect them. Okay, so this was happening for a year or so. And we, we set up pilots, we set up, uh, you know, open, open innovation challenges. So then we realized, no, you know, we need a concrete route for this. So at the end of last year, we are, we are still establishing this. We're going to launch it in, in March venture client kind of unit um, that is really funneling all these solutions that we find all around the world for these pilots and being able to address these competitive uh, uh, production and sustainability challenges we have internally that can definitely be solved with simpler technologies, newer technologies that we should be able to pilot faster. So this is something we're actively working on. I have a, a team members actually going to, to Europe next week to connect with most of the other uh, companies that are doing a lot of venture clienting uh, work to really speed up our learning process. And I think one of your portfolio companies, Boxia, was an internally built one, right? Yes, it was an internally uh, built company. This, it, it started with the, the, the idea really to connect. When you buy boxes, um, Big companies will come to companies like us. You know, we are the biggest production uh, producer of, of packaging here in Chile. But if you're a small producer, you CMPC will not serve these this, this, this smaller customers. So then we explore this space to try to digitalize this space in the lower segment and segment in terms of the lower volumes. Okay, and this has been going now for, for over two years in, in Mexico. Is, is, is cash flow positive? Is growing? It started in Monterrey and now is moving to, to uh, Mexico City and, and, and Guadalajara as well. So it's, it's a very interesting growth. It's a fully digital business, very different from all the other businesses in CMPC. So it's very, very interesting. It also has helped a lot CMPC to learn about digital businesses. Because it, it's, not a, it's not our sales platform. It's a full digital business on the side. Right. And, and was that, well, talk, talk me through the process of, of how you guys do internal kind of venture building. Because it, does it, 
you know, do you have, you know, maybe do you do it by, by kind of groups, by cohorts, I suppose, maybe? And then, you no, know, those, I, I, think, get... I think this, this actually, when I arrived at the company, this was already in the, in, in, in the making. Okay. This was an idea that they decided, you know, and it was a combination. They were already thinking about uh, setting up CMPC Ventures. There was also this idea that didn't fit within CMPC clearly, but it was definitely worth exploring. Then we had this CMPC Ventures uh, uh, being formed. So then it was, okay, this should be placed under CMPC Ventures. So then when I arrived, I also basically just helped set up the whole internal processes for, for, for and supporting, of course, supporting from, from the venture perspective and startup perspective, the establishment of the company. But no one in the in in, in Boxia had experience in startups. So we really have to 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 kind of set up the whole processes. No one in the finance and team, in the admin team really knew how to deal with the startup internally. Are we how do we how do we report this internally? So we really had to set the whole internal structure to both allow the growth of Boxia, support the growth, but at the same time maintain, of course, all our compliance and finance processes. How helpful has it been to have that office in the Nordics? We have we have had the office now for probably a year, a year and a half. So I think it it has been key. The Nordics are, are a very kind of different society than what we do at least here in Latin America. You know, you really have to be there. It's, it's very direct. So we we realized we really had to be there. We really needed to connect with the startups, be in the pitch events. It's a very closed society. It's a very closed ecosystem. You know, they all know each other. It's, there's like Finland in particular, such a small country, and in, well, in terms of population, that they all know each other. So we realized if we wanted to be able to connect with the startups, we really had to be there, you know, and also most of the of the of the um, technologies are being developed with the Nordic species, which is totally fine. But then, if we want to really be able to access these technologies, we also need to be able to supply our feedstock, our species for these technologies uh, development for these startups. So we realize it wasn't only uh, about having a monthly conversation with a university that we do, we really had to be there in the events and understanding what was being discussed, understanding what are the challenges, understanding what are the these consortiums that they're building. So again, you have to be there. So I used to go very often. I have a team there now that participates in everything, but it's about to really, you can't just look at an ecosystem and try to be part. You really have to be part of that ecosystem. And that certainly seems to have kind of borne fruit at this point. Do you have similar plans elsewhere as well? We are we are constantly looking at, at different territories and, ch- and checking where that might sense uh, well make sense or not. For the moment, we we don't have concrete plans for that. But when I have, I'll I'll, I'll be sure to tell them. Uh, no, absolutely. We, we're we're always we're always excited to to learn to learn new things here. So that, that, that's always good. But t- talk a bit more about the kind of collaboration between. CMPC Ventures and the other business units at CMPC. So you mentioned R&D. You kind of have a very close relationship there. What does it look like around the rest of the company? I think, I think we, we, well, we have steering committees for, for, for innovation in each of the business units, okay? That is led by the innovation teams in each of them, by this kind of competitive and competitiveness and innovation team that oversees all the innovation in all the companies. So we as ventures participate in all these steering committees, but more from 
making sure we don't lose sight of their own challenges. Because if I come in two months and say, hey, Fernando, I need help from you uh, an- analyzing this company, blah, 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 then in, if I'm not connected what your actually innovation needs are, then it feels kind of asymmetric. Okay, so you might not have the same response and the same interest on in really collaborating with us. So we try to be as up to date as we can with the key challenges that each innovation team has. We work with the venture client team with, with really to understanding the key challenges, the key, the key priorities that have been defined in terms of where do we need to find startups or innovation or solutions for particular problems. So from there, it's a much easier conversation because we are aligned in what their problems are. And when we bring more disruptive solutions, we're still aligned in what the needs are. You know, okay, this is this works because of A and B, but let's not forget we also have this other problem. If you don't have this connection, is this balance between the, between the, this uh, well disruptive and and core innovation? You know, you really have to to have this ambidexterity on being able to work on both sides, both the incremental innovation and both the disruptive innovation. So we connect a lot with them. I have uh, uh, every time we have a particular startup, we involve the key business, the key business unit that is more relevant. Sometimes it's the one that knows the more about the the technology. Sometimes it's more it's the one that knows more about the market. Sometimes it's the one that serves those customer, despite being a different product. If it's a startup that we're thinking about investing, it's probably something that does not fit directly into CMPC. So, so the, the 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 involvement from the business units is not only is not always from the perspective. Oh, we're going to absorb this startup. It's never like that. Is you need to find the different expertise you need. For example, this particular startup that was having issues with a with a nuzzle, a, a particular part in a process, and the business unit that most uh, uh, was more suitable to discuss this with them was our wood, our our timber business unit. So that has no relation with the market, with the process, with the with the with the, with the customers or with the product. But in technology wise, those were the the right ones for having the particular technical discussion. So. It is on an ad hoc basis. I, I talk very often in this in this uh, steering committees. We discuss a lot about. We also present sometimes advances of what we are doing with the startups. So we really try to keep the company up to up to date with what we're doing with each of the of the startups. And, and, and zooming out a bit, because I, I think the 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 launch of your fund was, you know, I, I think some something of a milestone for for the Chilean venture market. How, how have you seen? You know the, the the evolution of the venture market in, in Chile specifically, but also Latin America more generally. I think the, the the venture the venture capital in general in in Chile in particular has been growing super fast. I mean, I I could say I was one of the dinosaurs in the venture capital uh, ecosystem in Chile. Started pioneers, 20... <laughs> pioneers, <not laughs> pioneers. I love that. Well, that's much better, definitely. <laughs> so, like early 2010s, 2012s, uh, um, there was a few, really two venture capital uh, uh, units investing in technology. There were many others investing in sort of kind of marketplaces, still dot-com approach and, 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 and digital uh, approach, fintechs and so on. Now we have a lot of, a lot of venture capitals. There is a stronger ecosystem. There are kind of, we are able to raise follow-on rounds in Chile before that wasn't possible. So this is a lot stronger venture capital uh, uh, ecosystem. At the same time, the CVCs 
have also, as I said, a, a, a kind of a moment ago, has growth a lot as well. There are many other companies, uh, big companies, uh, engaging into this. We have discussions among us. Of, well, well, how are you doing it? What what type of talent do you want to attract? What kind of talent do you need? What are the key challenges to frame this internally? For example, Sokimich, which is a big uh, uh, lithium uh, company, and and and. In Chile, set up the HCVC uh, probably a year or two years ago as well, and is it? It's in mining. It's a different space, but we share a lot of the same the same challenges. So, so it is growing. It is growing a lot, and and I don't see this stopping uh, anytime soon. No, hopefully not. <laughs> right? Yes. I I want to go back to to what you said earlier about what you you know the two questions that you learned to always ask while you were doing your phd and, and i think that's quite so what and who yeah, exactly yeah and, and i think you know for, for any piece of research you do you, you could be looking at something super interesting but in the end if it, if it doesn't matter to to anyone then, then what use is it so, so you know I, I one you know how often do those two questions come into your life today and you know has there been any instance where you know, you, you saw something that might be very cool, but then, you know, it failed the test, as it were, yeah. and then you didn't end up going for it. I think they, they come a lot more often than I would think they, they would. At the beginning, they were kind of always there. It was the way I was trained to think from my PhD, okay? But then, uh, I, as I was working in a, in, in a company on the corporate side to connect with this, 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 with this uh, um, kind of develop, uh, PhDs and, and researchers from the universities, I was, I will, they will always be on my mind, you know? So what? Okay, what happens? What changes with this? And I think we had a discussion once with a kind of very important researcher here, and it's like, oh, but you're only thinking about applied science and basic science is, is relevant. And I was like, no, I'm not, th- I'm not saying that. Even with basic science, well, I don't like that distinction, okay? I'm just going to answer in terms of what he was thinking. He was like, no, I'm a basic scientist, so I don't want to think about applied sciences. And I was like, I'm fine, but what changes with this knowledge? You might change a new paradigm. You might change it. You might uh, uh, set up a new theory. You might be trying to fit a puzzle where there's one uh, uh, piece that doesn't fit. Normally, when one piece doesn't fit, there's a whole new field emerging because everyone is trying to answer that. So there's still something happens. There's still something that comes after this so-called basic research. So it's not, it's not always about finding the, finding the industrial application. But even with basic research, you should be able to ask yourself, okay, what changes? And there was discussions we had with our colleagues in, in, in Cambridge and, our, and, our, and in our team uh, there, and team leader there, that he would say, oh, if you foresee a tiny little possibility of an application of this, it's just selfish that you don't go and talk to someone. Don't sell it. We're not talking about selling it. We're not talking about setting up a startup straight away. It's like step by step. You just need to go and talk with someone. What do you think about this? Would, would this might have a potential new application? And then, and that application might still be basic science, but science is about new knowledge. We can only talk about knowledge when it's shared. If not, it's just a thought in your head. So being able to share the knowledge and, 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 and connect with society, this needs to bring value to society. This must, might, might be a new format for processing something, might be a new technology. And then you have vaccines and some other kind of more uh, or, or new products we are trying to develop. But it doesn't have to be life-changing every time, okay? But just think about who cares and, and so what in terms of 
is is this new knowledge changing something? And seeing it from that perspective is less ambitious as well. You're not always looking for 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 getting to the moon with this technology, but it's less ambitious, but at the same gives you the drive and the focus to try to find that potential. So what? No, and I think that's fat. And, and you know, obviously, I'm, I'm a journalist by trade. It's very different from being a scientist, but you ask the same kind of questions. So I think it's just Probably. fascinating how it applies all over the place. And yeah. it's and it's just and well, going back to your question, kind of how often do I do it? Is do I ask myself this question? And I think now that you ask it, it's actually very often. And sometimes it's just like I have a, a company we met once. I wasn't working at CNPC, was one of my previous roles. And um, I met this company, fantastic technology. And I was like, how come no one is seeing value in this? Was my first time approaching this. I was like, how come? So I started, I asked really three times with more experts. And they were like, oh, when these guys, since when these guys have been doing this? I know, 10 years. Oh, we had this was a big problem, but we solved it five years ago. So the researchers found that this was a problem 10 years ago when they started. They focused so much of developing this perfect solution that, but, but when it was perfect for them, it was already late for the market and for the applications. And with the three companies we spoke, they all said, oh, it's too late. We solve it. We just ditched this because we found, well, we found a way around it. But these researchers never talked with anyone, never told anyone we, they were doing this. And it was, a, it, it was a huge market. If they were just talked with someone, Two, three, five years ago, it would have been a game changer for them. They didn't talk with anyone. And we were like, okay, we were right with our instincts, saying this is huge. This seems kind of a game change. But when we went to talk with the actual users, it was already too late. It was a problem, but five years ago. Right, right. They'd moved on. And we have kind of, I can disclose the type of technologies, but we've had that many, many times. Interesting. Well, well, I mean, uh, you know, but by way of closing out, we always like to ask the guests, you know, uh, a, a few questions to, to, you know, to, to the benefit of, of the founders or startups that, that, that are listening in the audience. And firstly, you know, if, if there's a founder out there that might want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do that? CNPCVentures.com. There you go. Very, very, very simple. <laughs> well, our verticals are there. Our strategy is, is presented there. You have a, a, a connection there. My email is well, bernardita.araya.cmpc.cl. We might be uh, put it available with the, with, the, um, with the podcast as well. So happy to receive comments, connections. You can find me on LinkedIn as well. Happy to, to expand this network and try to really uh, uh, make the most of the CFC activity. Perfect. And then once, once they're lucky enough to get in the room and pitch you, what is it that you want to hear from them? I want to hear um, kind of why them? It's, you know, it, I could say, oh, the right technology, the right team, the, the, the right the defeat. Of, of course, we're going to discuss all of that. But will be why them and why now? It's just, I think those are questions that are not normally asked. It's, 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 uh, and again, of course, the who cares and, and, and so what? Yeah, <laughs> Please <you> bring <laughs> that. Please bring that. <laughs> Please bring that. But aside of that will be really why them and, and, and why now? Because all the rest will be discussed. It's a standard pitch team, market, and so on. But I think the why now is, is, is a very relevant uh, uh, question for us as well. And related to that, then what, what do you definitely not want to hear from them? What should they avoid doing? I'll try to find a way of saying elegantly, but 
don't overpromise. Don't pro don't overpromise. I think we when you find this technology that solved all the problems in the world with one single product, one single technology, and there's something doesn't add up. Be honest. When I feel there's no honesty there, if you're saying you're you know you have these attributes of your of your startup, okay, why? And if you want to have an attribute but you don't, but you're not there yet, you might say, oh, and we are working to be biodegradable. We are working to be and now softer, we are working to be, to improve the strength. Like it's very hard for a product to be super perfect in early stage companies. So I'm very suspicious about that. So I, I, I really want honesty. And it's fine that you're not there yet. That's why you're a startup. So so don't be don't be ashamed about that. You know, it's, it's normal to be on development. It's normal to want to improve stuff. It's normal to not be, ready with everything you might say oh our product works fantastic in the lab but we have no clue about how to scale it up we need your help that's much more honest than saying oh we are all there we just need your money it's just it's just i like honesty most of all fair enough and i, and I think that that's a that's a really overlooked point i think you know a lot of investors say that which signals that a lot of Founders maybe don't know that, right? And 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 yeah, know. and of course you want the signals from the market. Of course you want some some traction, some validation of their solution. But if it's if you frame it as super perfect, ah, ah, it will be okay. Show me what you have. It will be it will yeah. be suspicious. <laughs> exactly. Um. And then and then finally, what what can corporates do? You know, perhaps more of or a better job of, generally speaking, to help their CVCs and, and, and their startup ecosystem? I think one of the key learnings we've had is having it, you you decide to set up this unit, it has to be aligned with the strategy. If you don't know how this unit is contributing to the strategy, is it's just an exercise, okay? So we, I think I, w- I will put a lot of strength uh, in that. We work a lot with our strategy team to really f- try to, how do we show the strategy feed? How do we how do we work on this? We really work uh, actually on, on, on that part, on defining this, how do we align with the strategy? How do we contribute, okay? And then if it's a strategy uh, approach, but whatever, whatever approach you have, if it's financial, you really need to have that aligned with the whole overall strategy of the company, okay? And then you need to, define the return of this unit based on the strategic uh, uh, definition you have from the corporate. And also, I would say, you need to be able to review this constantly. The key nice bit that CVCs have, that VCs mostly don't have, is this flexibility to pivot, to change, to adjust, because we need to be aligned with the strategy of the parent company. It's not a fixed thesis for 10 years when no one moves, okay? We, we can change. And that's a huge advantage that we have. So then you really need to have the flexibility to pivot, to try new vehicles, to try new approaches. And, and, and at the same time, while well, you improve your value proposition. So it's, I think, embrace the flexibility because as if there's one unit within a big corporation that should be flexible, is the CVC unit. I think that would be my 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 biggest message there. Interesting, and and I think that that that's a great great point to to close things off on there, Bernadita. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate your time. You're welcome. And I'm, I look forward to keeping in touch. 
That is it for this week's show, folks. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts to never miss a future episode. I have been Fernando Moncada. Our great sound engineer is Mark Chatterley from In-Ear Production. Go check out his work today at inearproduction.com. We'll be back again next week, as ever. Until then, have a good one.